Okay, so back to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 6. Um, so as I was starting to say, this theme, and it's, you know, I don't want to, my fear is that it would sound like the same message again and again. But let's, let's just consider what he has to say here. Let's, let's look one more time carefully at verses 1 and 2. He says there's an evil, um, something that he considered you know, wrong or bad or unpleasant, that he had seen under the sun and it was common to man. Uh, something that happens quite widespread, we might say. And what is that something? Well, in verse 2, a man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desire, yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity and, and an evil disease. So he's saying there's this cruel irony about life that affects a lot of people, that God gives them ample uh, supply of what they need in their life. You know, he, he kind of, in, in this chapter, I feel like he's um, talking a little bit in extremes, you know, kind of going to the, to the extreme. Here he says, you know, he has riches and wealth and honor and he doesn't want for anything. Um, so, in other words, if you could be, if you could have all of that, all those things, um, and it's one thing that's interesting. I was going to perhaps have you look it up, but I'll just mention it to you. Um, you know, I've said before, and I still kind of every time I study, are we not live? I could have ran out of data again. I don't know, um, but anyway, last week I ran out and I topped up some more. I bought a little extra, and because my my plan comes due on like the 31st. I'll get back to a full amount, but that happened. And so I know uh, last week the uh, the evening service didn't get recorded at all. Anyway, we keep getting interrupted here. Um, uh, this this these this phrase or these words, riches, wealth, and honor. There's something interesting because as I started to say, I I kind of wonder if this is like. I don't know if this is Solomon, his personal testimony, kind of. You know, I had all this stuff and it just didn't make me happy. And, I, and sometimes I think that's what he's saying. And sometimes I think he's just saying, look, uh, you know, I was the wisest man and I can tell you, I've watched man live and, and I can tell you that these things don't make you happy. But I, I, I went back to thinking that this is Solomon stuck talking out of personal experience because... If you were to, uh, you can write this down in Second Chronicles chapter one, verses seven to twelve. Uh, you'll read there something that probably you know, and that's why I'm only going to reference it, is that when Solomon became king after his father David died, uh, he he God said to him, you know, what do you? He said he could ask, basically for whatever he wanted. You know, God, uh, David was a man after God's own heart, and God did honor David, his, his faith, his walk with God. And so he, he said to Solomon, ask me what you will, and Solomon said this. You remember what he asked for? Somebody give me that answer. What did Solomon ask for? He asked for wisdom, yeah. He said, uh, you know, basically, uh, I'm young, and I don't know what I'm doing, and there's, this nation is 
is a whole you know, host of people, and I don't know how to be a king. And so, Lord, give me wisdom. Now, that was a good request. And God was pleased with that request. And God said this. He said to him, basically, and I'm going to paraphrase, but he said, uh, you know, you, you didn't ask me for wealth and riches and honor. You didn't ask me for, like, power over your enemies. But you asked me for wisdom. And he said, I'm going to give you wisdom. And he said, because basically, you know, I think, in, again, this is my kind of commentary, but, but basically saying, you know, because you were not asking for something selfish, you asked for wisdom so you could guide my people, I am going to give you, and he says these three things, riches, wealth, and honor. We would say, perhaps, fame and fortune. Uh, you know, because that's what honor is, is kind of fame. It's, you know, he had honor uh, from the people, and he had an amazing amount of wealth and things. If you read then about Solomon's his reign and his kingdom, I mean, like we've mentioned it before, he had gold and silver like, like it was, you know, nothing. He had, we mentioned last week how his ships brought in ivory and exotic animals, and he just had all these luxuries. Kind of, you know, this was basically the, uh, if you can think of somebody living in the lavish of luxury today, they might have boats and cars and, you know, big mansions and so on. But in Solomon's day, uh, they had what Solomon had. That's what, that's what the rich and famous uh, would live like, and Solomon lived that way. And so, here we see, though, Solomon's testimony in his older days, uh, and probably a lot of it coming out of his own life and experience, that all of those things don't make you happy. And that's, you know, I think we know that and we've heard that and everything, but we definitely know that that's what the world thinks. Right? I mean, it is what most people think, is that if I just had... Uh, more I could be happier. And Solomon had all of that, and he said it's not true. So we could take from him, uh, take him at his word, and of course this is also God's word, so we have, uh, we have a sure testimony about that. But here he talks about God giving somebody an ample supply of all these things, and yet he didn't know how to utilize them. And we're talking about, again, living without God, living under the sun, living in, in light of, you know, not in light of God in their life. Uh, when we do that, uh, we may have an abundance of stuff, but, we, but we're not able to really get the benefit for which God intended. I wrote it down this way, that God gives them ample supply, but they don't know how to utilize it properly or appreciate them correctly, and so they don't get the full benefit, but forfeit it to others. I think that's essentially what Solomon is saying there in verse 2. You know, that they have all this stuff, but don't have the power to eat it. But another, a stranger, eats it. And the idea there, it's kind of like a picture in a way, uh, you know, having a plate full of the best kind of food, you know, where's, where's your favorite restaurant? 
you go there and you know you have the, the steak and you have all the trimmings and all this good stuff and yet you can't eat it. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a shame if somebody else comes up and picks up your knife and fork and eats it in front of you, you know? <laughs> and that's, that's the picture. But the picture is, is to show how uh, this happens in people's life. They have all this stuff, but yet they're hungry. Yet they're not, you know, they're not uh, able to really be satisfied with it. They're not able to really benefit from it. Pastor Murphy used to say, there's a lot of people that have everything to live with, but nothing to live for. And sadly, that's often true in our world. And the greater the gift, sometimes the greater the waste. Um, you know, when people have so much and they don't really appreciate it. We have so much in Canada. You know, when you read about those in Venezuela, you begin to realize, man, we have so much. And yet, you know, how much of it is, is slipping through our fingers and not really, we're not really gaining from it. It's not profiting us how it should. Because these things, and, and I think this is what I, I, I take from this is that all this stuff, if God gives us an abundance of stuff, what are we to do with it? The best way you can utilize it, the best way you can benefit from it, is to use it for the Lord. And, and I believe that wholeheartedly. You know, to, to glorify God with it. However you do that, uh, but you need to think about that. How You know, this is meant for me uh, sometimes it's, it's to be able to use it and just glorify the Lord being thankful, being appreciative. You know, I know sometimes uh, you may tire hearing of me talking about uh, you know, my love of the mountains and stuff. But we, I lived in British Columbia for a long time before I really appreciated what we had here. And then all of a sudden I woke up and said, man, we have a lot here to just appreciate. And I'm not saying that you know I'm fulfilled by going out and hiking and skiing and spending time in the mountains, but I, I want to go out there and just say, Lord, man, look at that, what you created, what you've done, and, and just enjoy the beauty of it. That's why we enjoyed camp. Now this year, a lot of it was under smoke. I felt a little bit sorry for Juliana. It was her first camp. And she couldn't see the beautiful mountains because of the smoke. But you know, that's just, that's just an example, but I'm trying to get you to think about what God has given you and how we ought to appreciate it, how we ought to glorify the Lord for it and glorify the Lord with it. You know, we talk about being overcomers. I think sometimes we're just overcome with life. The day-to-day grind. In Sunday school, uh, the lesson there we were going through, it said... I can't remember the title exactly, Rick, you could help me. How to how God increases our faith. Is that how it was? And he talked about the difficulties. You know how they went to Mara and their water was bitter and then they went to another place and there was no water and they got water out of a rock and then they ran out of food and God gave them manna and all those things. There was the difficulty. And then the next point was just the day the daily uh, I forget what it says, but I want to say the daily grind, you know, just just life in general. Um, we can get so overwhelmed by life and just trying to, I don't know what we try to do, we try to survive, we just try to live day to day. But, you know, we can get overwhelmed with that and not really uh, see all that God has given us. 
and glorify the Lord for it. So, here he talks about you know having all this stuff and not having the power to eat thereof, not having the ability to really benefit from it. And how does that happen? I, I, I don't want to maybe look up all my cross-references, but go to Haggai for a moment. Haggai, Haggai, however you say his name. Remember how we went through the, the minor prophets? We said there was Amos, Obadiah, or first is Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk. Where's Haggai? Clear toward the last part. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. So, Haggai, in chapter 1, and verse 6, he says, You have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And uh, he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. <laughs> you get that picture? God says, uh, you, you're earning all these wages. It wasn't a lack of stuff, but, but it just seems to slip right through. You know, put it in a bag with holes. Uh, you wouldn't want to do that, right? We had the canteen at camp, and this one little girl came up, and she had a Ziploc bag with some coins. For we have canteen means uh, we open a little snack bar, and they can purchase candy bars and pop and stuff. And she had her coins in there, and instead of opening the bag and get them out, you know what she did? She had the coins were down in the corner of the bag, and she just twisted it until it came off. <laughs> and then she dumped out her couple quarters and bought her thing, and then she tried to put her money back in that bag, and I said. Uh, I don't think it's going to stay in there, you know, because you ripped the corner out. And were you there, Christina? Were you the one that helped her put it back in? Yeah, anyway, she wrapped it up for her. So, But, you know, you don't want to put your money in a bag with holes. And the idea he's telling, Haggai's saying here, is because they were not faithful to God. They didn't glorify the Lord. God had brought them back from their captivity, back to the land and uh, rather than building the house of God, rather than glorifying the Lord, they were so busy building their own houses. And it's in that context where God said to them, you know, you're sowing a lot, but you're not you know, really getting a great harvest. You're, you're earning all this, but you're putting a bag with holes, and you're not getting the benefit. And the reason was because they were not honoring the Lord. Um, there's several verses like that. Malachi in chapter 3, we won't turn to that one, but you know, there he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and I will pour you out a blessing. And in, that, in verse 11, he makes this statement, and I will rebuke the devourer, which I always thought was a funny phrase. But what does it mean? It means, you know, uh, there's, there's things that devour our stuff, and God says, I'll hold that back. Remember how the Israelites walked 40 years in the wilderness and their shoes never wore out? You know, it's that kind of thing. God will just bless and make stuff last, make things fulfilling. Uh, you'll get more benefit out of what God gives you if you'll honor the Lord. That's, that, I think, is the, the point that I take from this. So, uh, let's look at verse 3. He says, if a man beget a hundred children, now again, he's talking in kind of, you know, grandiose terms here, live many years. He even says down in verse 6, Yea, though he live a thousand years, twice told, 
So, you know, he's saying, this is sort of going to extreme, but he said, if, if, you know, if you think that four children are a blessing, just think, you could have a hundred children. And if you think, you know, uh, 70 years is great, well, how about 2,000 years? I mean, think about it, you know, going to almost extremes. Sometimes I do that, my, my family, they, they go, oh, Dad, why do you, you know, why do you always, you know, talk, because I, I do go to extremes sometimes. But, um, you know, he's talking in these sort of terms, but he's just saying, you know, if you could have all of that, and yet it doesn't uh, fulfill, then how sad is that? Let, let's read it in verse 3. It says, If a man beget a hundred children and live many years, so that the days of his years be many, and his soul be not filled with good, and also that he have no burial, uh, I guess his kids didn't even, you know, all these children they didn't even bury him, I say that an untimely birth is better than they, better than he. Now he uses this term, the untimely birth, and what does that mean? Uh, well, the commentators said stillborn, uh, you know, uh, miscarriage, that kind of thing. And he's not making light of that. He's saying as painful as that is, as devastating as that is, um, that's even better than having a hundred children and not having any. You know, not being fulfilled, not being blessed. Why is he saying that? Well, because children are a blessing. Let me let me show it to you in Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Verse number 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemy in the gates. I heard a preacher say one time, how do you know when your quiver is full? And he said, it's when your uh, wife tells you she's pregnant and you quiver. And you know, <laughs> and then your quiver is full. Uh, I don't know about that. But anyway, um, children are a blessing from the Lord. Now, I know some of you think, well, of course, in that culture it was. But he's not talking just in their culture. I'm afraid today, and I want to say this carefully. I understand that you know that not everybody uh, is able to have children and that kind of thing, and and you know that doesn't make them any less blessed of God. I hope you really understand that I mean that, and that's that's true. But it is also true. Two things can be true at once. It's also true that. It is a blessing from God. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, the other lot, a few weeks ago. I, I mentioned about the biblical uh, reason for marriage, and you know, you have to study that, look that up, because today we have a society that kind of thinks children are more a curse than a blessing. Isn't that? I mean, don't you kind of feel that in some, at least in some segments of our society. And I think 
all the way back to even before I was born, um, there was, you know, in the 60s, I was born in the 60s, but in the 60s there was this sexual revolution. And around that time, uh, there was this movement to separate, basically, the world seemed to want to have the, the benefit of sex without children. And then there was the pill developed and abortion became legal in the States in the 70s, I don't know when in Canada, and, you know, all those things. And now we have, you know, this idea that uh, that is something that, you know, sex without children, and it's, it's grown into now there's all kinds of perversions of homosexuality and all kinds of things. But that was never God's intention. You, you study your Bible and see if I'm not right. Uh, again, I'm not saying that I'm, that's not a blanket statement against all birth control and all that sort of thing. It's just saying that God said be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And I don't know, I'm not going to get into a big sermon on that, but, but the, what I'm trying to say is, he's saying here, uh, you know, God gave blessings, verse 2, riches, wealth, and honor. God gives children, even if He gave you a hundred children. Um, but, but if they live with that and don't, they're not fulfilled by it, they're not blessed by it, then that's vanity. There's something not right. You know, long life. Uh, he says if you could live, you know, a good to a ripe old age. Length of days. Look at Proverbs chapter uh, 3. If you're still in Psalm, you can begin to head back toward Ecclesiastes. You'll cross Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 2. He says, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. What will? Well, in verse 1, if you keep my commandments, forget not my laws. So the blessing of keeping God's commandments is long life and peace. So children are a blessing. Long life is a blessing. And he's saying, if you know God gives all these things and, and yet you're not satisfied with it, if you're not blessed by it, then you would be better off. I mean, uh, uh, an untimely birth would be better than that. Now, let me state that in a positive way. If I was to state that positively, I would say it this way. It is God who gives fulfillment and not things. Because you can have the things. You can have riches, wealth, and honor. You can have children. You can have long life. You can have all those things. And they in themselves don't give blessing. They don't give fulfillment. But God wants to give fulfillment through them. But you can miss that fulfillment. Do you see what, do you see what I'm saying? And it's sad when people do miss it. And so Solomon is saying... It's God that gives the fulfillment, not the things. So if we honor the Lord with our substance, if we glorify God with the things, if we raise our children and we nurture them in the admonition of the Lord, then they will be like those arrows that you know are shot out and, and fly straight and bring blessing. You know, our, there's purpose in that. There's joy in that. I'm a granddad. I can testify to that. There's joy in it. So, it's God that brings the fulfillment. 
All right, so then we move on to uh, verses 7, where we haven't read yet. He says, All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. For what hath the wise more than the fool? What hath the poor that knoweth to walk before the living? So here he's talking about labor. He's talking about work, which again is another uh, means of God's blessing in our life. You say, what? You mean work can be a blessing? Well, you know, if God gives you the strength to work and a good job, can that be a blessing? Of course it can. Um, you know, there's. we've talked about how men should work and uh, God intends for us, not just men, but ladies. You know, there's a virtuous woman. She was very industrious, very, you know, she worked harder than the men. But here, if we're not finding joy and fulfillment in our jobs, then what's out of place? What's wrong? Well, again, it's not the job, but it's, it's God that brings the, the purpose. My purpose. I was not born and raised and called and gifted and given all these things just to pastor Castlegar Baptist Church. Now, I love being the pastor of Castlegar Baptist Church. But that's not, the, that's not my purpose. My purpose is the Lord. My purpose is serving God. Now, I can... Uh, thankfully, God's given me this as a means to fulfill that purpose. But it, let's just say, and, and, you know, Lord forbid, but let's just say that, you know, one day Castlegar Baptist Church is no longer, or one day God moves me away from Castlegar Baptist Church. Does that mean my whole purpose of life is gone? No. It means that, uh, you know, I'm still... I'm still a servant of the Lord. I'm still able to uh, fulfill purpose because my purpose is God. And, and that's true not just for a pastor. That can be true in, in your life, at your work. Don't you see that you can work for the glory and honor of God and, and part of the purpose of your life? And, and Because really, your job is not... That doesn't define you. It's not what you are. Many times that's the way the world looks at it. Well, I'm a... You know, I'm a doctor, I'm a mechanic, I'm a whatever you are. Well, no, you're a Christian. You happen to do that job. And you can do it for the glory of God. And find the... Am I, am I making sense? You find the purpose, you find the joy, you find the fulfillment not in the thing. You find it in the Lord. You find it in God. And, and those things become not a curse, they become a blessing because God is fulfilling me in that position, in that state, in that whatever it is, in my home, in my work. It's the Lord that's fulfilling me. Alright, so verse 8. Oh, we read verse 8. Verse 9. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire, of the desire... This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. Now that verse, I don't know about you, but it kind of, I had to think about it for a while. It, it's sort of like saying better, you know, um, a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush kind of a thing, right? It's, in other words, uh, it's what, you know, 
I'm having a hard time explaining because it, it seems like a hard verse to me to explain. But I think if you boil it down, you get down to the thought of contentment. You get down to, you know, better is the sight of the eyes than this wandering desire. In other words, appreciate what's right before you. Right? Enjoy what is right there. Enjoy what God's given. Don't be wandering looking for. Appreciate what God's given you. It's that old thing, you know, it's always greener on the other side. Well, it's not really. It's, this is what God's given me. Let's enjoy this. Let's be content with this. And that's, that's what I think the verses try to get at. What's right in front of you. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So, rather than chasing the things and thinking fulfillment and joy and pleasure comes in them, just, just rejoice with what God's given you and, and find pleasure and joy in that. And then verse 10 through 12, that which hath been is named already, and it is known that it is man. Neither may he contend with him that is mightier than he. So again, there's another verse I had to kind of try to untangle. It seemed tangled to me. But he basically says, is, you know, you're just a man. It doesn't matter if you're old or young or rich or poor or wherever you are. Uh, you have a name, and that name is man, and there's one mightier than you, and that is God. And it's God that gives us hope. Seeing there be many things that increase vanity, what is man the better? And then verse 12 says this, For who knoweth what is good for man in this life? Do you know what's good for you? (laughs) Maybe we say that to our kids. If you know what's good for you, you know... (laughs) You better do this. Um, He says, who knows what's good for man? Well, man doesn't. We don't know what's good for ourselves. I think sometimes the Lord says, if you knew what was good for you, you'd you'd follow me. And God knows what's good for a man in his life. All the days of his vain life, which he spendeth as a shadow. For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? So, my point is this, or the, the point of that is this. Turn to John 10, we're going to close. Is that, basically, I can put it in three positive statements. It is God that who gives fulfillment, not things. It's God that gives purpose, not family or career. And it's God who gives hope and not man. I just want to read John 10.10 and we'll stop. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what the devil does, the God of this world. That's what happens so often in this world. Things are killed and destroyed and stolen. But Jesus says this, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You want to find joy, fulfillment, uh, hope, and purpose? It's in the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. Let's pray.